0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. We, live. we live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. It is Tuesday, which means... Like every Tuesday, we speak with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Rick, thank you so much for joining us once again. How are you?
1: I'm great. It's a gorgeous day in Southern California right now.
0: I was going to ask, how do you like going to Southern California when you do make these road trips? How, how much do you look forward to going to L.A.? I
1: could, well, I will tell you in general, this is a really interesting trip in the sense that all four California teams are on the same trip, um, which I could not have drawn up myself, particularly with the two uh, L.A. uh, games, back-to-back, and three off nights in San Francisco, it's like Rick Bunnell got into the NBA's computer and said, hey, make this (laughs) all about me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that's no. I would imagine that would be a lot easier for you, and probably not all that easy for the Charlotte Hornets right now, going up against the Lakers, then going up against the Clippers. You know, Golden State might not be as tough as you once thought, but still, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, they're going to present problems. They're one and three on the season so far, Rick. Just overall, what do you make about the start that we've seen so far from the Charlotte Hornets this year?
1: I I listened to y'all's um, last podcast on Monday, and I agree with you that. You know, if you if you set your expectations realistically, if you say to yourself, are they doing things to improve? Are they playing, you know, sizable segments of games competitively? And they have done that. Um, you know, neither the Lakers game nor the Clippers game was a disaster. I honestly think the only disaster so far was the Minnesota game. And, and honestly, that has kind of exposed something that isn't going away, which is that, um, big men with a, with a gift for scoring are going to be their kryptonite. Um, the other thing that, that, frankly, is going to be their kryptonite is um, these turnovers aren't going to go away, gentlemen. Um, they're all, you know, and, and it, it's kind of rattling after about five years to think of this as a high turnover team but I don't know how they're going to fix that with the reality of their rosters right now. And that's creating other problems. It's like last night they gave up like a zillion fast break points to the Clippers. They can't allow those turnovers to be so easily converted into opponent points.
0: I think if you look at the big positive from just one individual player, the, the way that PJ Washington played in his debut was certainly outstanding, but Devonte Graham, Rick, I mean, besides the Lakers game where he only had the one field goal out of like 13 attempts, Devontae Graham has been sensational as a second-round pick that was a good second-round pick following what had been another good second-round pick for the first time in a long time in Dwayne Bacon. Uh, just overall, what do you make of the way that Devontae Graham has played, Rick, and you know, overall how he stacks up against some other second-round picks in Hornets past?
1: I don't think he will get enough attention to get a bunch of votes for most improved player. But based on the sample we're seeing so far, if, he, if that projected over an entire 82 games, I think mean, you can make a pretty serious argument that he deserves that award. Um, I'm not entirely surprised in that Giovanni um, is wired differently than a lot of these guys. You know, you, a lot of times you look, at, you look at rookies and you just want to scream at them, hey, grow up. And he's exactly the opposite. He is this incredible old soul quality, kind of like Marvin Williams that way. He's wired to succeed. And I think, you know, when he first came here, understandably, he wondered whether he was an NBA player. I think over the summer it became obvious that he was. And so he's playing with a level of confidence that where it's very clear that he belongs. Um, the hole in his game was obviously that while he was a decent jump shooter at Kansas He certainly wasn't – he didn't have anything like NBA three-point range. And when he's making that, you know, we saw that with Kemba. That entirely changes how people have to guard him. And it's going to – you know, there are a lot of moments in Charlotte Hornets' uh, 2019-20 season that aren't going to be fun to watch. Uh, He's going to be fun to watch.
0: Rick, how sustainable do you think Devontae Graham's play is and how does that affect – Terry Rozier's role with this team and the way that he's played so far?
1: Um, you might have seen the column I wrote where I said, you know, it's very understandable that our, people are asking Graham or Rozier, and kind of what I, my answer to that is why not Graham and Rozier? If if this season is all about exploration, then, you know, the two point guard backcourt is going to be used a lot, and should be used a lot. Um, you know, if, if Terry Rozier's Best um, trait is defense, then you ought to be able to survive at least in small segments of uh, playing those two guys together.
2: I want to go to another player that uh, has been playing well offensively, Cody Zeller, who for a long time we half joked on this show uh, was always lauded for what he did outside of the box score. And we really wanted him to do things in the box score. And now he is. That was I mean, is you, that, Doug. You wanted oh, do things in the box score. I'm sorry. Score. That was me. You're right. You're right, Walker. That Don't put that on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now he is doing things in the box score because he's averaging 16 points a game, uh, 13 rebounds. Um, and and now he's shooting threes and shooting them well against Los Angeles Clippers, three or four from the field there. Um, how surprised are you at how much of the offense seems to be run almost through Cody Zeller at this point?
1: I'm certainly not surprised, Doug, that's that it was the intent because Cody was very clear about that up in Chapel Hill that they have been asking him a lot to be a lot more proactive things like you know dribble handoffs and high screen action they, they want him making decisions for the ball because as we have said you know a dozen times already on these broadcasts um, you know there aren't a lot of decision makers still with the Hornets particularly now that Nick is hurt um, you know i would argue, and I'm curious if you all agree with me, that there is a wider gap between Cody and any alternative at center on this roster than there is between the starter and the backup for any other position. Um, people you know kind of look at Cody in, in a backhanded way a lot of the time, and I'm not certainly not saying he's the perfect NBA center, but he right now is as cost effective as any player on this team.
0: No, I, I would agree, Rick. I think when you look at Billy Herndon Gomez and then you look at Bismack Biombo, I think Cody Zeller is clearly <laughs> leaps and bounds better, just like you said, compared to whatever other starter that you put out there, compared to the replacement player, almost like the war from where you're going, right? Above replacement player, get, get Cody Zeller is the guy. When you look at... Just, by, by the
1: way, the other thing that's important to keep in mind, it's not really a Hornets season until Cody has a bloody face.
0: Ah. So you know when he
1: got those three stitches, you knew it was really the regular
2: season. <laughs> uh, uh, Devonte Graham took one in the grill as well. So uh, the Hornets right now, um, and that was should... friendly
1: fire, by the way.
2: That's true. That's true. Well, they fire still, they're... got him. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, speaking of ailments, uh, we have a host right now, Walker, who's feeling under the weather. Uh, as a beat, as a beat writer, you travel all the time. I know you got to have some some beat writer secrets about staying healthy. Uh, on the road, some some homebrew ailments. What you got for Walker? He's he's feeling under the weather.
1: Bathe in Purell. <laughs> never oh. touch the door. Never touch the door handle directly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> prevention. I like it. Yeah. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna fill up the tub with Purell. I mean, right I mean, now. hey, right? isn't isn't JB's big? Doesn't he say all the time,
1: prevention is cure, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. is that? I think that's the fifth pillar. I think if you were to add another one, I think that's, that's right. the, the fifth pillar to James Borrego's <laughs> effectiveness as a head coach. It's Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick, we've been talking a lot about Dwayne Bacon and his play. And look, this is someone that James Borrego said is going to be an important player for them in order for them to continue to you know grow, develop this guy. And, and he's going to be an important part. He has not been efficient. I think he's been hurting them on offense. What do you think about Dwayne Bacon's play and where it has to be going forward?
1: You know, I think he needs to be a lot more selective in terms of what he's doing offensively. Um, You know, Walker, I heard an observation you made on on your podcast on, on Monday about how, you know, yeah, it's great that he is attacking the basket. You want to encourage that. You also want him to complete those plays. You know, to at minimum, um, on a typical basis, that end up being two free throws and hopefully, you know, a basket and a free throw. And that hasn't been happening an awful lot. Um, uh, you know, Doug, you kind of rattled me. I need to look this up when you said that um, his, his points per shot attempt, you know, are... You know, like glacial. (laughs) I need to check on that. It's kind of scary. But yeah, you know, um, episodically, I can see what you're talking about. Sure. And that's not a, you know, they, you know, they promoted him constantly based on the end of last season and summer league as somebody who was going to have a huge role. And right now, that hasn't happened.
0: And last question before we get you out of here, Rick. PJ Washington was sensational in his rookie debut. I want to ask you a little bit about him before we get you out of here. You know, we un- we understand that the first round players have to be able to play together in order for all of this to work in the long run. And Miles Bridges was seen as a pick previously that you know PJ Washington was kind of redundant to him with all the criticism that came his way. So when, when you look at those two guys, right, like do you think that P.J. Washington can be complimentary or do you think he is redundant? How do we find that out?
1: In the right here and right now, you know, that doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying is everything about this season says that they just need to, you know, put people together in different combinations, experiment, develop, you know, do, you know, create as many young um, viable options as possible. But eventually, I think that's going to be a real issue because as much as PJ hypothetically can play a little center and as much as Miles hypothetically will play some small forward, at the end of the day, they're both, you know, basically small ball power forwards. And this is going to take, you know, this is going to take some, some doing. To figure out if they can both be the best player they can be on the same roster, Um, but I I think that's going to be very complicated. I think I think I've mentioned to you I've had I had scouts you know mentioned to me all last season that they thought that Bridges was badly miscast playing most of his minutes as small forward. Uh, So right now you know like a lot of things about this season it's no big deal. Eventually, you know, you might, you know, one of those guys might not need to get dealt for something else because you do have to wonder if they can be their best on the floor together. All
0: right. That was Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer. Make sure you catch all of his coverage and his, uh, on his Twitter handle at Rick underscore Bunnell. Rick, thanks so much for the time and enjoy the rest of your trip out West. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. That was, it. once again, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Uh, more to come uh, on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're going to recap their game against the Los Angeles Clippers and, of course, the game ahead against the Sacramento Kings. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets.
2: And the Google description here says, On contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on.
1: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering locked on, all one word, at Indochino.com at checkout. The Clippers, Hornets played them last night. They lose to the Clippers last night, 111-96. This was kind of the same story that had been the previous three games. They stick with it for about... Until halftime, maybe even until three quarters. The third quarter, I think, was the separating factor in this one. Um, And then the Clippers just find themselves separating away. And uh, certainly as the most talented team, they end up winning by double digits. This has been a theme the last three games. Timberwolves was just a blowout. This is what you saw against the Lakers. Doug, this is a game that you watched and I did not. I only caught highlights. I only have the box score. I only have the write-ups. If we were to dive into your little black notebook, what kind of thoughts would we find on your observations of this game?
2: Yeah, Hornets were only down three going into that second half, 57-54. I thought the Hornets in that first half did a great job of limiting offensive rebounds, uh, held uh, the Clippers to three offensive rebounds. Uh, The Clippers were turning it over as well, by the way. I think both uh, the Clippers and the Hornets uh, going into halftime had 11 turnovers The Hornets bench was the difference in the first half. Uh, Devontae Graham, a big part of that, distributed well. If you remember, Walker, I don't know how good your memory is right now because you have been in a state of uh, NyQuil dreariness. Uh, But I did say that one of the things that I wanted to see was Devontae Graham distributing. And listen, I'm not going to say he listens to the show, okay? Mm. I wouldn't be so bold. But I will say that he did do just that. He had several four assists in that first half, and uh, I'll check the final assist number, but it was big as well. Um, But Devontae Graham played very well in this game, uh, rebounded after shooting one of 13 from the field in in that uh, game against the Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, played well in the first half, rebounded after a bad start, but then that third quarter, uh, just really lost it defensively. A lot of defensive mistakes by various players. P.J. Washington picking up his fourth foul in the third quarter, limited what he could do. Uh, Monk had a really bad turnover. Bacon had several mistakes, both on the boards and getting back cut. Um, it, it was it was bad in that third quarter. Walker, the the Graham Bacon Monk Marvin Biz lineup that they decided to go with in this game. I think it's, listen, it's a fantastic way to lose a basketball game. Like, it really is. Like, if you're looking later on in the season to juice the numbers a little bit and improve your draft stock, that is a fantastic lineup to sneak tank with.
0: Well, maybe this is the reason why you don't just look at the box score because look at the box score. Devontae Graham, 5 of 11, 2 of 6 from beyond the arc, 12 assists was his final assist total, and 3 turnovers – pretty solid game from Devonte. He does look very good. And even Malik, he only shot one from five from beyond the arc, but seven of 12 from the field. I know he got off to a hot start. I think he started four of four from the field, including a shot that was more of a pass that just so happened to go in. but still a very good shooting night. Even if you were to take that away, that would make him six of 11. So Malik Monk does seem, he did seem to hit his shots at a pretty decent rate. I saw some things about Malik yeah. actually doing some good things defensively in this game. Terry Rozier, 7 of 17 for 17 points. Those were your leading scores for the most part on top of Cody Zeller playing well. Um, Three of four from three-point range. So uh, just overall, when you look at some of the box scores, Doug, I mean, there there are some scores here that look okay, but you're saying that wasn't necessarily the case? Well, just I think that that third you really have to
2: look at that third quarter and understand yeah. why why they lost that game, uh, and and I think it's because they when they put Graham, Bacon, and Monk out there at the same time, they can't rebound and they can't defend. Like Devontae Graham had a fantastic game offensively, he just doesn't defend very well, and that's uh, I'll go back to what Rick said. I mean, some things are not going to change. Uh, Very much as the year goes on, it's why this is going to be a bad team. They're going to struggle to defend, especially defend the interior against good interior teams. This was not a great interior team. Uh, You saw a lot of jump shooting in this game, and I thought there were... Moments when certain players had good efforts one-on-one. I thought Miles Bridges, I'll bring him up in particular. I think when he had ISO opportunities against Kawhi Leonard, he did a very good job of staying with Kawhi and making things slightly more difficult for Leonard and, and kept him from completely exploding in this game. So I'll give props to Miles, who really has had to guard the best player on the other team. He's taking over that MKG role. Thought he did a fantastic job. But overall, this team is 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 just going to struggle to defend and going to turn the basketball over, and that's what killed them in that third quarter.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at it. Is it Zubats or Zubats? Is it the Pokemon Zubats. or is it Zubats? Zubats. Zubats. Okay. Yeah, uh, I thought he was good. So I did watch like the first quarter oh, and man. a half, maybe two quarters. Zubats. Uh, he, yeah, he looked good, right, Doug? I mean, he looked good. And, and of course, that is the theme of the start of the season It's that the opposing big man looks to be playing very well. Uh, whoever that is, if you go up against the Charlotte Hornets.
2: Well, they kept attacking him inside and not they weren't running any action to try to pull Zubats away from the rim, and he was just taking full advantage. And, and by the way, that was an adjustment because the Clippers got killed inside. I think they were starting Montrez Harrell. I may be wrong about that, but I think they switched – Harrell and Zubots for this game because they got killed inside on drives on dribble drives by Phoenix when they lost that game unexpectedly. So you saw the adjustment that LA makes, getting Zubots in there, and he was just swatting everything. I mean, he I, look Cody Zeller is going to be seeing Zubots in his nightmares <laughs> because he 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 had a couple of blocks where he not only blocked the ball but he just he like sent his energy through the basketball and through Cody Zeller and knocked him to the floor.
0: I think I saw one highlight where Zubots was just running the floor pretty well and, and he got fed and had a nice dunk where, of course, nobody picked him up. I, I think that's right. It could be my NyQuil-induced memory that is thinking of that, but no, it just seemed like Zubots was getting... And, and you're right about that, by the way. Zubots did start. Montrose Herald did not, according to the ESPN box score.
2: Uh, that number, 12 assists by Devontae Graham. Here's a great uh, stat poll by Sam Purley, uh, who who works with the Hornets. Those 12 assists by Devontae Graham are the most by a Hornet in a points assist double-double since Brevin Knight, who had 17 assists for the Bobcats. Got a fantastic name. Now an announcer for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, So all in all, Walker, I think... This game is again representative of the way that the Hornets are going to lose these games against good teams. This is this one and three start has been difficult to assess because, you know, this team was already going to be bad defensively, and they played a lot of good offensive teams, and, you know, they just uh, they just don't have the talent right now. So it'll be interesting to see if this team can recover and play well against Sacramento because they've they've tried really hard. I mean, you cannot question the team effort. Uh, especially through the first, you know, two and a half quarters, uh, this team's just going to have to learn over the course of this season and maybe next season as well, how to put four quarters together.
0: We have one more segment I want to get to. We have another voicemail. So thank you for contributing to the voicemail. We appreciate that. We'll get to that in segment three, but Doug, real quickly, I know that you had a couple of takeaways from Rick Bennell's answers in the segment prior. What were some of the takeaways that you had that you wanted to get to before we ended today?
2: I love what he said about the redundancy issue between Bridges and PJ Washington because I like. Well, I don't. I won't speak for him, but I don't see a future where the Hornets possess both of those players long term. I think they have to make a decision about utilizing if both of those players end up exceeding where they are now and they continue to grow and become you know tradable assets. I think they have to look at trading one of those guys to bring in either uh, more picks or possibly a veteran when they're ready to, to compete. And that may be years down the line. I'm not talking about next season or the season after that. I'm talking about a DeRozan for Kawhi type deal later on if both of these players end up being star players. But I think right now they're not redundant because Bridges, you can put him one-on-one with Kawhi. <laughs> you don't want to do that with B.J. Washington right now, who I think is, a, is an average interior defender, but a below-average, anywhere-else defender. Like, there were several plays in this game where he got uh, face-up opportunities against Patrick Patterson and Kawhi Leonard, and he is just not fleet of foot, and he is going to get beat (laughs) off the dribble.
0: PJ uses his strength more than anything. He doesn't have the lateral yep. speed. He, he uses his lower body. He's got a big hiney. He likes to use it. And that's, big old wh- booty. that's what we need from him. It's the interior defense that is going to be his strongest suit on that side of the floor. And so you're hoping that you can plug him in the paint. And that's what we're going to get the best of. Doug, this is something that we questioned when they drafted PJ Washington. To me, that's not good, right? Like If you don't <laughs> think that there's a future, I, I don't... I mean, it depends on what you're getting from Miles Bridges. Asset
2: acquisition.
0: Well, what kind of asset value are you getting back in return? I mean, I would just rather hit on two guys that can play together. I would rather do that, unless you feel like you can get some really good value in return for Miles. But I mean, I, I mean, I do think it now.
2: I've been pleasantly surprised with PJ Washington's output. I think it may have surprised even the Hornets front office. But I think you, I agree with that draft strategy of going out and getting the best player. And then especially in this phase of where the franchise is and dealing with who play, Because it only matters who can play with who, in my opinion, when you're contending. Like if you're not contending, I don't know that it really matters all that much other than you want to put guys together on the floor that help each other play better. But, but I'm not sure that that, that really ma- – I just think you need to get assets that you can trade for players that would play better with either P.J. Washington or Miles Bridges I, uh, way down the road. One quick note on, on Dwayne Bacon, another bad game, one of six from the field, uh, got into foul trouble and and allowed Devontae Graham to get a few more minutes in this game. Five points, four rebounds, uh, two turnovers, and uh, minus 22 along with the rest of the starters because they got blown out in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. Uh, going back to uh, the number that surprised even Rick Bennell, this is a cleaning the glass number that I mentioned uh, an episode or two ago. His points per shot attempt right now after that game, 84.7. That puts him in the 22nd percentile among wings in the NBA. And um, usage very high in comparison to other players so that's not good. Usage high, points per shot attempt low. Uh, Malik Monk actually improved his points per shot attempt to 104.8. He was the only rotation player lower than Bacon, but with an aggressive uh, and, and effective offensive night, uh, he, he improves his stock.
0: I want to go back just real quickly. Uh, I understand your point about if you draft PJ Washington as the best player, if you think he is clearly the best player out of all the guys that were left, then OK, take that player. Your, your point is taken and it's valid. I agree with that. But I guess in just our evaluation of all of this, like Nikhil Alexander Walker or Brandon Clark, who I do think could play more of the five with Bridges playing the four, there were just a couple of players there that obviously we were upset that the Hornets did not select at the time that I would have liked to have seen, even though I, I love PJ. How can you not love PJ the way that he's played? Just, man, I, I think it does matter how they play a little bit together because I, th- I think that's important for the pillars of the future.
2: Oh, listen, you're totally right, Walker. My point is valid.
0: Yeah, 100%. We have a Patreon page where you can support our podcasting efforts <laughs> and get more Hornets content. <laughs> Patreon.com slash LOH. For just a buck, you can help keep our hive alive. We've got a voicemail up next. This is Locked on Hornets. I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is.
2: Yeah, you no, feel like I, yeah, no, I definitely – sorry, Martin? I didn't know you were tossing it there. Yeah, I definitely okay. I definitely
0: think that. Was um, that a me problem or are you a problem? Were you just not listening or were, was I just did – that I didn't set you up?
2: Oh, and, I totally uh, wasn't. Well? I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the
0: Locked on Hornets podcast.
2: feel bad for you walker i feel genuine human empathy i don't feel it often i felt it for kanye when i heard kanye's interview with uh zane low on beats one i feel genuine human empathy for him you can hear more about that on let the boys watch our new
0: exclusive podcast on our patreon page patreon.com forward slash loh you don't feel empathy. You just wanted to plug. Did you just use genuine empathy to try to plug your own podcast on the Patreon page? That's what you did. You just saw it as an opportunity to plug yourself.
2: Okay, you got me there. But I do I do feel bad for people who are not feeling well because I don't like being sick. It's one of my least favorite things in the world. I don't like being taken care of. Uh, I, I don't like feeling vulnerable. I don't like being sick. So I'm going to give you... Uh, something that you can take with you—it's not really going to help you right now because you're already in the thick of it. You're already too deep into being sick for this to help. But next time you feel the slightest bit unwell, uh, you have to go and get uh, the zinc tablets, or they're—they're they're like uh, candies. They're zinc candies. Z i n c, um, and and take one of those, and that will help build up your immune system and fight back uh whatever's going on inside of you. And then those vitamin packs. Vitamin packs and zinc candies. They're not candy, but they're like, um uh you you know, you I don't want to say tablets. the. Yeah, well I mean, it's not a they tablet they dissolve,
0: are they flavored, dissolving tablets? I mean
2: No, they're not dissolving tablets. You you let them rest in your mouth.
0: Okay. It's you suck on see- them. No, it's, it's funny to see everybody's remedies. Lozenge. Lozenge
2: is the word that I was looking
0: for. Oh, lozenge. That sounds right. Yeah. Like, like what cough drops do. You just kind of, <laughs> Never mind. This is yeah. <laughs> everything that I wanted to just say in my head right now would have sounded awful coming out. Yeah, it's funny to see all the remedies that everybody's coming up. Like, look, Walker, I know you're sick. This is what you have to do, right? Like there are so many effective Bathe ways that people have found for their body. Bathe in Purell to prevent. Go get a zinc tablet. I've I genuinely to-
2: thought he was suggesting that uh-huh. as something that you would do now that you were yeah. sick and because <laughs> that would be interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I've been told to just chug emergency. Go get emergency. Put that and just chug that. Uh, I'm someone that is a big... Dayquil, Nyquil, chug that as well as orange juice, just a vitamin C blast to the body. I feel like that's worked for me in the past.
2: Uh, Amari Stoudemire once bathed in red wine, right? I do know that. That's a thing. So I think it brings this question up: like, if you could bathe in one thing,
0: oh, that's yeah.
2: What would you want to bathe in?
0: Yeah, you know, red wine. Out of all the things we talked about, red wine doesn't sound like an awful bath, right? I mean, i i I think I would do a red wine bath, but I think that's the that's the only thing that comes to my head. I don't I don't want to be like nothing sugary though, right? Like you can't have anything sugary because you don't want to be sticky. You don't want that. Not the goopy stuff like pudding or anything like that. I'm not trying to have that either. I mean, red wine sounds fine. Are you thinking, Doug? Is there something that <laughs> you've been You've been staring off into one direction Chocolate pudding. I think I'm going to go chocolate pudding. You are going to go chocolate pudding? Yeah, because
2: you can wash it off. We're not talking about like, no, you're not going to like put a business suit on and like go about your day after this extraordinary bath and some substance that is not water. I mean, you can wash it off. You don't want to bathe in something that will stick with you all day. That's the thing about red wine. I think you just smell like, you're going to end up smelling like alcohol for a long time. It's going to take a while to get that out of you.
0: But I think chocolate pudding, (laughs) oh, that's a good bath all right we have implemented a new segment it's the voicemail you guys call in and just leave us a voicemail on something hornets related or it doesn't have to be hornets related you can leave us a voicemail for anything that you want and our buddy daniel tapp who frequently talks with us via twitter we always appreciate it that's our boy daniel tapp left us a message on voicemail here's what he had to say hi
2: this is Nikki. leave a message
0: Hey, guys. Uh, this
1: is Daniel Tapp, longtime listener. Uh, I had a question. Who is your least favorite player to watch, and why is his name Dwayne Bacon? Thanks.
2: <laughs> Whoa. I guess we know who Daniel's least favorite player
0: to watch is. I like that question.
2: By the way, you can leave a voicemail for us if you join our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H, for just a dollar a month. Uh, You can help keep our hive alive and support the great things that we do around here, plus get bonuses like the voicemail and our new podcast, Let the Boys Watch.
0: Listening to Dwayne Bacon at Media Day, Doug, I fell in love with him, right? I mean, it was someone that talked about how much he just enjoys playing basketball. I talked about this at the time all these guys got here by loving to play the game of basketball and maybe they're just so good at it and they don't love it, you know, whatever. They're, are different ways that people got here, but there's a large part that are here because they love the game of basketball as much as anybody out there in the world. It just seems like Dwayne Bacon is more vocal. He put the time in this summer. He was in Charlotte. He was constantly at the gym. I think the Hornets social media team represented that because If you're a social, if you're part of the social media team, you look for people that are in the gym practicing all the time, who you have the best access to. And it just so happened to be Dwayne Bacon all summer long. The dude loves to play basketball. I feel like as much as anybody on this team, it's why he went to the G league. And I fell in love with that aspect and he played really well last year. So it does pain me to say that Daniel Tapp is right. That Dwayne Bacon right now is someone that I'm really not having a whole lot of fun watching, playing, driving to the basket continuing to miss some of the bunnies. Terry Rozier has been someone that has enough facilitation in his game. I was worried that Terry might become that player. But Dwayne Bacon is that player right now. Good news for Dwayne, because I know he cares about this, is that he can back out of this very easily. I mean, I because I enjoyed watching Dwayne Bacon play last year. There were times where he was very good, and there were some defensive moments for him last year. We remember the Bradley Beal one as much as anything. But right now, it's just so maddening. It's so frustrating watching him put his head down, tunnel vision, only going towards one thing, only going towards the basket, and coming up empty-handed too many times, actively hurting this team on the offensive side of the floor.
2: Uh, Daniel did not specify whether this player had to be in the NBA or not. He also did not specify whether this player needed to be Uh, It needed to be a real human being or if it could be a fictional character.
0: Are we going to have to add these rules? We're going to be that. These these calls are going to be... Well, listen, I'm
2: just taking his question for what it was. I'm just listening to the question and I'm taking the rules of Daniel's question. And so my answer is it's a tie between the player in 13 Reasons Why, that Netflix show, uh, there was a basketball player in that who was the basketball in that show is generally awful. But just go back and watch the basketball scene from Thirteen Reasons Why. Um, it is horrendous. Uh, but high dribble, his shot emotion is like worse than Lonzo's. Like it is, it is absurd. And I think at one point he takes a shot. I kid you not, a jump shot from inside the free throw line. Like if you analyze it, the shot comes from inside the free throw line, even though they don't show the free throw line. He is in a tie with. Hot take, Teen Wolf. I don't think Teen Wolf is a good basketball player. I know everybody wants to laud him and like they do like you know write-ups about how well he played in that game and the stats or whatever. I'm sorry. I don't like how high his dribble is. I think it's reckless. He looks like Zion out there with that high dribble. I
0: think it's That's gonna get him. the second time you've referenced high dribble. Is that the number one problem you have with basketball players?
2: Well, on TV, yes. And I think <laughs> it's a camera thing. I think they've, it's like, no, get that dribble up a little higher. We can't see the basketball. And it's yeah. like, wait, I, this is not how a human being dribbles a ball. So there, there's that problem. But also he's selfish. And I know he put up big numbers in that first game, Teen Wolf did. But I'm telling you, w- what happens when he goes cold? He hasn't developed a chemistry with his teammates. What happens when the when the moon goes away and you gotta deal with just old regular teen? I'm saying Teen Wolf, not a great ball player.
0: Coach Branson wants you to keep that dribble tight, low below the knees. Make sure, Ty you're not Lawson, your baby, that was my favorite cake. dribble of all time. That's, Ty that's Lawson. what it is. Yeah, thanks Ty for dribble. listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked Hornets. Thanks again to Rick Bennell for joining us. We got Nate Duncan tomorrow. Nate Duncan will be joining us. It will be a lot of fun. So join Eight us with again. Nate. To- Eight with Nate tomorrow. Going to debut a new segment. A lot of new segments that we're debuting. That'll be tomorrow on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.
2: Go eat some zinc lozenges.